Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Like, yeah, I know. Really? Okay, no, you can't do that. I need the microphone. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on October 18th, we have our Patreon episode. This month, our patrons have chosen Faded by Benedict Jacka, which is the first book in the Alex Vera series. You may have heard Mo mention it once or twice or a hundred times in previous episodes. <laughs> then, on October 25th, we will be playing a game we're calling Novel Makeover. Tune in for a fun time! A quick note about this episode. I am in the middle of moving, and as a consequence, my recording ability is not up to the usual standard. This will be a temporary issue, but you will probably be hearing some static for the next several episodes. I'm doing my best to minimize the static in my editing, but I can only do so much. We greatly appreciate your patience and understanding. And it's once again time for a shameless Patreon plug. We've got merch, we've got a miniseries, and much more. Check out our Patreon to see all the awesome perks. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we're going to talk about a excellent new, published this year, young adult novel called Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim. Did I say her last name right? Yes. Thank you. It was three letters. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> I know. This was a recommendation from Abby. I believe if you are a Patreon listener, she probably told me that I needed to read this book. Is that right, Abby? That is correct. Well, I did take your recommendation and I did read it. I'm so glad. This episode actually dropped for our patrons like a couple weeks ago when... Good to know. So, yes, I really wanted Mo to read this book, and I talked her ear off about it until she read it. And I had to get it from the library, and I got it as an ebook. And it was like, this is an eight week hold. I was like, okay, well, put it on hold and wait. And then I promptly forgot that I had it on hold until one day I said, your book is now available. I'm like, well, guess I'm reading this book. <laughs> I did. It is a fast read. It's longer, like 500 pages, but a fast read because it is a YA novel. I would say this is very well suited for 14 to 16 year olds. Very easy read. Even even 13. Like it could go younger with this for sure. Yeah. And if you have an advanced reader, I'd say it's safe for 11 or 12 because it's not like it doesn't have anything graphic in it. It's a YA novel. It is. I mean, it is a true YA novel, not even like uh, a deadly education which I would recommend for an older teen because it's a little bit more violent you know mm -hmm. and it's not an iffy either because <laughs> there's some books that are listed as YA that make me go uh you sure that's YA I'm pretty sure that's not YA like um what is that one that's really popular a court of throne and roses yeah court of Th thorns and roses yeah I know that's published as YA but from what I hear Oh, that's not. Don't don't let your teenagers read that. That's not why I. <laughs> <laughs> I myself have not read it, but I am in enough YA groups, book reading groups, um, that trust me, it's not YA. <laughs> it's 
and maybe I'm wrong, but that's just what I heard. So and no, there's there's a lot of sex in there, and it's not like fade out sex either. Then okay, well, apparently I've been well missed. Nope, nope, it is. It is marked as a YA romance. Yep. Okay, so I I wasn't I wasn't wrong. So I feel very proud of myself that I am hip with these things that I don't even haven't read. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's listed as YA, but from what I've gathered from people who have read it, like there's a lot of sex in the first book and it just increases as you go in further into the series. So I'm not sure how it got published as a YA. I wouldn't call it a YA personally, but okay. <laughs> but yes, this is definitely a YA that I would call safe for even 11 and 12 year olds. Okay, well, I just went down a rabbit hole because I, ha- I just had to look up what the age level is. This person said this is a cord of thorns and roses is great for a 14 year old. Okay, so I don't, I don't know how these people are rating books at this point. This book that we read, Six Crimson Cranes, is perfectly appropriate for a 14-year-old. It is, there's a sweet romance. There's not death. I mean, there's like one death, but it's not like a gruesome death. Maybe there's a few other deaths, but it wasn't gruesome. There's no graphic violence. So this, I would say, is just the sweetest, loveliest, heartwarming YA novel that you could pick up right now. Yes. This is definitely a YA that is good for pretty much anyone who falls into the YA category and up. All right. Well, I did find some fun facts about the author. She is a little bit newer, so she was kind of hard to track down. One thing I do like is that she is also a mom. And during the pandemic, I don't know if this was last year or this year, but she definitely has a toddler. So I feel for her, just so you know. Mm -hmm. I also love that Elizabeth Lim was a professional film and video game composer who also attended Juilliard. And apparently she does her best writing next to the piano. That's pretty cool. It is. She's the author of three novels of her own, Spin the Dawn, Unravel the Dusk, and Six Crimson Cranes. Plus, she is a contributor to the Disney series, Twisted Tales series, which look really good. So they're published by Disney, but they're retellings of some of the bigger Disney stories with a twist to it. Yeah. And I think she's written like two or three of them. Mm-hmm. She, I know she wrote the Mulan one is one that she's written. Yeah. And shout out to Bookstagram because I had not heard of Elizabeth Lim until I joined Bookstagram. And that was shortly after we started this podcast. That is how I found her because I saw her post on one of like the suggested ones that just pops up under hashtags and it was spin the dawn and the cover was so pretty. This is what happens on bookstagram for me. The cover was so pretty that I looked it up on Goodreads and went, that sounds super interesting. So I picked it up and read it. And the second one was coming out shortly after that. And that's how I found Elizabeth Lim. (laughs) Cause everybody was talking about spin the dawn there for a while. And it was so pretty and, I'm a sucker for a pretty cover. <laughs> so you like to see you got it. I don't blame you. I wouldn't. I mean, the the covers are really nice. I really like the Six Crimson Cranes cover and the special edition stuff that came with it. I kind of wish I had bought the special edition of it, but I also was like, well, I don't really want a hardback book. I don't like mm-hmm. hardback novels, man. I like paperbacks. 
Yeah. And see, if I had that kind of money to spend, I might have done the special edition, but... Well, you did, though, because you got the one with the stuff, right? You got the little, the key, the 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 little fun things they sent. Oh, yeah. I did sign up for the extra freebies that I did. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. I wasn't talking about any other oh, okay. special edition. Didn't you get a special edition of one of her books, though? It's not really a special edition. It's the UK edition. So... I mean, it's a different edition. Yeah, but if you're in the UK, that's your regular edition. <laughs> but we're not in the UK, so therefore is a special edition. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, and that's the one that I stuck. Because with the freebies that I got, it included a signature plate. And so I stuck my signature plate in my pretty one from England. So that's my pretty signed copy. I like it. But wait, I got one more fact. One of her favorite books is House Moving Castle. Yay! I knew I liked her. No, I know. It made me so happy. I'm reading the third book right now. It's really good. I need to read the second and third books. Yeah, I need to. I'm also listening to The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue and reading The House of Many Ways, but I need to put those down so I can read the book for book club called um, something, something. I forgot what it's called. The Una book. Oh, Una out of order. Out of order. I need to I need to put down everything else I'm reading and sit down and finish that book. But it's been like I'm having like book ADD. You know what I mean? Yeah. I finished Una a while back. I'm currently reading I'm working on it. I'm currently reading, let's see, Dance of Thieves as a paperback, Princess of the Silverwoods as an ebook, of horse and rider as an ebook. Hey guys, guys, you remember that episode with Anne Elizabeth Fryer that we did? She's got a new book coming out called A Force and Rider, and we got ARC copies. And it's pretty fabulous. Highly enjoyed it. I, I pretty much would have read it in one sitting if I didn't, like, have to sleep. It was so good. Oh, I know. I read, like, a straight third of it today, and that's a lot for an ebook for me. <laughs> oh, and for those of you who don't know, an ARC copy is just an advanced reader copy. Full of, you know airs and other things not to catch but you get the gist of the story and it's so good it was so good yes i'm also listening to the invisible life of eddie larue right now i don't know how i feel about it yet (laughs) well we can talk about that later (laughs) okay good point so (laughs) tonight we are talking about six crimson cranes abby can you tell us a summary of this book sure jiori the only princess of kiata is being forced to marry a lordling she doesn't know and wants nothing to do with. On the morning of her betrothal ceremony, she loses control of her magic and, though magic is forbidden, it at first seems like a stroke of luck delaying the dreaded betrothal. Unfortunately for Shiori, she isn't the only magic user in the palace. Her stepmother, Rakama, turns the six princes into cranes and curses Shiori into silence, banishing the princess to the far reaches of Kiata. Now, for every word that leaves Shiori's lips, one of her brothers will die. Voiceless and alone, she must find a way to break her curse and free her brothers before Rakama can enact her plans and take over the kingdom. Good summary. So I would like to just talk about everything right now, but I know we can't. I know we need to talk about the characters. So, Abby, uh, mm-hmm. you kindly did not put uh, descriptions of the characters. So <laughs> I will be making some crazy as best to my memory and knowledge so listeners i hope you're prepared for characters by mo ready set go okay Okay, excuse you (laughs) i spent 30 freaking minutes 
paging through my hardback copy of this book to find all their names because nobody has made a wiki for this yet. And so I had to look up all their names individually. It took me so long, guys. Uh, remember that one time we did an episode with Bethany and I had to listen to um, Winter and I had to go back and forth to write these quotes down because she wanted quotes. And I'm like, okay, I can do it. Okay, I can do it. Oh, this really sucks. Okay, I can do it. I feel you though. I feel you. Fine. <laughs> so first off, we have Shiori. She is a princess. She is a uh, magic user and she is just growing into her powers. She does not want to get married, guys. That is hard on the bottom of her list of things she wants to do. All she wants to do is spend time with her brothers and enjoy life. She also hates sewing and she loves making paper cranes. And she has a little friend named Kiki, who's a paper crane and we love her. We also have Rekama, the nameless queen, who is technically not the queen. She's the king's consort and she is Shiori's stepmother. She is a mysterious figure that lives inside the palace, and Shori does not trust her, though Shori remembers once that she used to love her. We also have the Lordling, Takimbushian, who is from the far north, and, well, guess what? He is betrothed to Shiori, and she does not like that at all. We also have the dragon prince, Shiraiyu, the prince of the easterly seas, the grandson of the dragon king, Nazarun, ruler of the four seas and heavenly waters, I love his description. I love like when he first meets um, Shiori that he's a flipping dragon in the water, just dragging it around, right? And then when he comes up as a human, like he has green in his hair, and no, and no one and no one else is like, hmm, that seems strange, but it's fine, guys, because he's a dragon and he's a prince. He turns into a human and he helps Shiori learn magic. We also meet the brothers, and it's your turn. Enjoy. <laughs> so there are six brothers. The oldest is Endahai. The second oldest is Benkai. The next three, I'm not sure what order they go in, but it's Wandai, Yotan, and Reji. And the youngest is Hasho. Honestly, they all kind of jumbled together for me. <laughs> birds. They all turn into birds. They all turn into cranes. Yeah. <laughs> Most over here doing a little wing flaps. <laughs> I know. I know two of them are twins. I remember that Hasho is Shiori's favorite brother. Um, Benkai is a scholar and going to be a general for the crown prince, mm-hmm. which is Andahai. And someone has anger issues. I can't tell you. It's either Yutan or um, Raji has anger issues. Yeah, I don't remember which one, but they all adore their little sister because she's the youngest of the seven siblings. Then we have Kiki. And Kiki is a paper crane that Shiori accidentally brought to life. And we're doing some more little flap flaps. <laughs> I'm just so weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> she has a psychic connection with Shiori. And she's a very loyal companion. We love Kiki. There is Zarena. She is a friend of Takan's family. And is currently living with them as her parents were murdered by bandits. There is Isege. He is an imperial sentinel and also a cousin of Takan. And then we have Takan's little sister, Lady Magari. She's sweet and she has a weak constitution. Um, One thing I like when they talk about her is that she also loves food. I appreciate that her and Shiori love food. Yes. It's always nice to actually see women eat in books. 
right? I agree. All right, everyone. So that is the summary and that is the characters as best as we could do. And hopefully we did not spoil it, but I think we did a pretty good job. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, you know how the next half goes. We have favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite scenes, least favorite scenes, and our final ratings. But you know what? It is all spoilers. So if you don't haven't read this book, just, just stop and come back. All right, guys. We'll talk to you in a minute. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers. So if you have not read Six Crimson Trains by Elizabeth Lim, please, please, please stop, go read it, and then come back and talk to us because I love this book and I want you to enjoy it spoiler-free. Okay? Okay. We will not be the ones that ruin the book for you. No. it's If it's within our power, we will not ruin this book for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Let us start with favorite characters. Mo, who are your favorites? Okay. I got a thing for things that aren't people, like paper cranes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So when we did our episode, favorite non-human characters, I understand now, Abby, why Kiki was on your list. I understand <laughs> completely. I love her. She's amazing. She is, she just, okay. She's like all of my favorite sassy sidekick characters. She's like Eco from Cinder. She is like Sybil. Yeah. Like, I just love that, that sassy side character, you know? Mm-hmm. They're kind of my favorite. Oh, I completely agree. So beyond that, I also highly enjoyed Lady Megari, Talkin's little sister. She's just so sweet. Like, I love how she bonded with Shiori. And she's like, you know what, girl? I'll take care of you. You come hang out with me, okay? And she just doesn't let... No, I just feel like she doesn't take a lot of crap from anyone. I really like her sassiness, you know? Oh, yeah. And I love Takin. I love her brother. He, like, is... When you first meet him, you don't know it's him. Because his cousin is impersonating him. And, you know, you think... Oh, this is such a sweet, kind, scholarly guy. Why is he dressed up like a sentinel? Well, then you learn, oh, well, he actually is sweet and scholarly, and he is a great warrior. And, oh, yeah, he gets to be the Lord of the North over his little humble kingdom. I don't know. I don't quite remember what they called their keep or anything. I don't know. I feel like I could be friends with him, and I like him. Yes, I 100% agree about Kiki. Like, she legitimately deserved to be on my favorite non-human characters list because she's just fantastic i love her loyalty i love the different ways that she helps shiori i love that she gives shiori somebody to talk to since she can't talk out loud this book would have been so lacking without kiki because if shiori hadn't had anybody to talk to oof it would have been bad it would have been so bad so I love the part that she plays. She is vital to this story, even though she might not seem like it. Oh, I love her. I also adore Takan. 
not gonna lie, before it was revealed that he was the lordling she was supposed to be betrothed to, I was rooting for him. Like their first meeting, I'm like, oh, you'd be so cute together. I ship you. <laughs> oh man, you you went hard. You're like, mm, you're gonna go together. Okay. I went hard. I'm like, you're gonna get together. I don't know. Maybe it's mistaken identity. Maybe the Lordling's just going to give up and you're going to be able to be with him. But somehow I ship you two and it's going to happen. Then I found out he was actually the Lordling and I'm like, even better. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, he is so sweet. He's so thoughtful. He's exactly the kind of person you want to see end up in charge because he's thoughtful. He cares about the people that he's responsible for. He's just, he genuinely cares and I love him. I love him so much. I love that too. And then I liked Shiori. When you first meet her, she's a selfish brat. And meeting her that way, I went, you are basically at rock bottom right now as far as characters go. You're going to have a nice big arc. (laughs) And that's what I was rooting for this whole time. And I loved seeing her go from this spoiled, selfish, bratty little princess, literally, to maturing a bit and starting to think about other people and thinking outside herself more and thinking about her brothers and her father and the repercussions for her kingdom as far as the curse went and all that. Because the six princes getting turned into cranes, that's massive repercussions for the entire country because suddenly the king doesn't have any heirs. Yeah. Like, that's a massive issue when he initially had seven. <laughs> I mean, he had, he had a few, he had a few spares, right? Right. So it's like, there's so many political repercussions for this. And she finally starts to think outside herself and outside of what she wants. And it's more of that I need to help my father. I need to get my brothers uncursed because this is going to go really bad, really fast if something doesn't get fixed. So I loved watching her growth. I hope that growth continues in the second book. I I can't wait for the second book. Oh, I can't either. This is one of those books that I'm like, I know this came out two days ago, but I've finished it already. Why can I not pre-order the next one? <laughs> like, that's how I felt. And I understand why I couldn't pre-order it yet, but it's still like, oh, oh. I know. So... Yeah, I really think Shiori was a great protagonist because she was given so much character growth throughout the book. All right. Should we talk least favorite characters then? So you hinted on this. I didn't like Shiori, okay? It took me a hot minute. Like, Abby, when I'm reading the book and suddenly she's stuck at the end and I'm like, okay, this this is what we're reading, Abby? Okay, because I thought like I would get happy, fun, like, oh, we're going to hang out with the dragon. This is going to be great. But then I'm like, hey, hey, Abby, what are we reading? And she just just did not warm up to me. She didn't warm up to me until we got to Taken's mm-hmm. hometown, essentially. Okay, that's mm-hmm. how long. And that was a long time to read through the book to get there. And then once we got there, I'm like, okay, okay, I like you. Okay, we're good. I mean, I just didn't like it for half the book. So I, I, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for that. And then, oh my gosh. So Zarina was an awful human being. 
the fact that she was a mountain priestess masquerading as Tarkin and McGarry's dead friend and then kept making McGarry sick. Like, mm-hmm. what the crap, woman? You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, man. I was like, well, I'm glad that you... I mean, she got what was coming to her, right? I'm not wrong. She did die, right? Yes. Okay. I, I struggled... I will talk about this too, but I struggled some with the transitions in this book. What about for you, Abby? What are some of your least favorite things? So I understand where you're coming with with from Shiori, but Serena is just it's pure evil. Their friend is dead and you're masquerading as her. I just mm. and the fact that she was poisoning Magari was just ah you're poisoning a kid. What the hell? Yeah. Because Magari is isn't even a teenager yet. She's a kid still. Yeah, she's like, she's like 10 years old, right? Right, something like that. So it's like, you're poisoning a child. You're pretending to be this friend of theirs who's actually dead. Like, you're a horrible person. Just awful. Yeah. Yeah. I also did not like Tosege, the cousin. What a douche. Yeah. What a self-centered douche. He's exactly the kind of person you don't want in charge. Right. He was all hopped up on himself and did not care. So I didn't like either of them. I was glad when they went away. Yeah, I thought about putting him on there because I, Hassat, was it Hassat? Has, eh, whatever. I can't pronounce names. He just, I am so glad. I, he got, got his butt kicked. That made me so happy. Mm-hmm. Did not love him. Ugh, definitely not. But no, I'm with you on that one. All right, so... How about favorite scenes then? Okay, so I got a few. I loved any scene that had, obviously, you know this, any scene with Shiori and Sirayu. Because for one, it has a dragon in it. I loved in the first scene, okay, for one, the author is a very good descriptor of clothing and architecture and everything else, okay? And so I appreciate in this that uh, Siori is in the lake and she's being weighted down by her outfit and you know here's this dragon going "Mm, child what are you doing you're kind of dumb let me get you out of here and he takes her gets her out of the water and then gives her a piece of his pearl and i'm like i want a dragon i I, I would like a dragon please (laughs) and i love that gosh and i love when he starts teaching her magic Mm, yep you knew you knew it had me right there right so I had that going for me. And then, yeah, I'm trying to think of like anything else particular about them. Really liked it when they were at the festival together. And he's like, like you need to learn how to do some magic, girl. Oh, yeah. I love the festival. That was so cute. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I really liked the magic and how the magic was set up in here. Um, I wish it had gone more into the system because that's me. And I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was great. I loved it. I can't say I like snakes. And now I'm weary of gardens that could have <laughs> snakes in it. But, I mean, I like that in her garden it had a magical portal that she went to. And she could renew her magic, essentially. And I liked how Shiori's magic, just what it did. You know, like paper cranes. You know, giving life to stuff. I loved it. Yeah. Man. And then the last thing I really, really liked was, was it the New Year or Winter Festival at the end? 
winter festival, I think. I feel like it was the winter festival. Yeah. I, I really did like that. Like I love the winter festival and I love learning about like this town's traditions and how they celebrated it. I loved when Talk and Reese had to recite his poem and his sister played the music to it. And of course, you know, it led to a quite adorable scene where there was kissing, which I always do appreciate. It was my <laughs> perfect kind of YA romance that I love. I 100% agree. <laughs> I, lo- I was, it was good. Yeah, I loved all the bonding that Takan and Shiori did while she was at his home. Just like all of it was so sweet. I just got the warm fuzzies from it. And I'm like, I'm so glad I was shipping you two from the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is the kind of romance I love to read the most. It's so sweet and wholesome. So, yes, I loved all that. Ugh, the festival was so sweet. I loved the plot twist at the end that the stepmother wasn't actually evil. Kind of crazy. Uh huh. Like, I did not expect that at all. That was amazing. I love that she took the evil stepmother trope and the evil magic user trope and just turned it on its head. I love that the stepmother had actually been trained to protect them all from the very beginning. That made me happy. It made me kind of sad that she died at the end. I was like, it makes sense that she dies, but yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I was like, but, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you're not the big bad? Apparently not. Surprise, misdirection. I know, but I enjoyed that. I liked the reveal that Zarena was masquerading as the dead friend. Uh, Did not see that coming. That was wild. I was not expecting that to happen at all. I like, I knew she was evil. I knew she was doing something sinister, but I was like, holy crap, you're not actually who you said you are. Like, all right then. (laughs) And it was crazy. Yes, it really was. And uh, Tikan and Shiori meeting for the first time in the inn and neither of them knowing who the other one was. I love that trope. (laughs) It's so cute and it was so nicely done. It's like, aw. It was good. It was so... It was so sweet. I definitely was like, mm, Mo is here for this. Mo, Mo doesn't like romance, but Mo really does like YA. Like, oh, they fell in love. Okay, Mo's here for that. Yes. Ah, uh, good YAs. Good YAs. Such a good YA. All right. So let's talk least favorite scenes. Hmm. Well. I didn't have really a least favorite scene. Like, I think Shori's time at the end was probably my least favorite of the book. And just, like, the beginning with Shori's attitude in general. Like, I get, like, not wanting to get married. Yeah, totally with you, girl. But in general, so this is what holds it back from a full five star for me, is that I know this is a young adult novel. I understand that. I don't know if it's because I read it as an ebook was the issue, but I felt like... There were a few times I had to go back and I'm like, what am I reading about again? Oh, okay. How did I get over here? Like, I felt like there were parts of it that were disconnected and jumped. Like time jumps, description jumps. I would get confused about what I was reading about. And for me, it was, it just kept taking me out of the book. And that made me frustrated because I don't like being taken out of books, you know? Yeah. So I struggled with that a little bit. But I mean, overall, like, it's a really great book. Like, there's not a lot of things I don't dislike, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. There were a couple transitions that were a little rough, but honestly, I am so taken with the gorgeous way Lim writes that I don't care that the transitions aren't a hundred percent all. Okay, I'm okay with that. I just personally love her writing style that much. And I think she's getting better with transitions. Like I said, I think this book is better than Spin the Dawn was. I personally, having read all three of her original works, am seeing a increase in how good she is. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. just in general, like she's obviously getting better as a writer as she goes. So, yeah. Yeah, which is great. Like, I appreciate that too. Which also makes me happy I read this book because I like I know you told me like, hey, Mo, like, read this. This is going to be better. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I listened to you, Abby, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go back and read the Blood of the Stars duology, but definitely be prepared because the pacing isn't as good. Okay. Well, and that's okay. Yeah. At least in Spin the Dawn. The pacing in Spin the Dawn just felt kind of off to me, but I still really enjoyed it because of the way that she writes and the story itself was very enjoyable. So it is what it is. I like that. I didn't really have any least favorite scenes in this book, except maybe some of the scenes where all the brothers were involved, just because other than the oldest two and the youngest, I kept getting the middle three mixed up. I can't tell you the difference between them. And so it just felt like there were too many brothers. I understand why there needed to be six brothers. Like, thematically and everything don't get me wrong it's just it was too many I like that they're just too many brothers there were too many they weren't important enough individually for me to remember them individually so it's kind of like meh. okay so um so what did you rate this in the end so this was a very solid YA novel like I said like this is truly in the spirit of a young adult novel and I love that I love a fairy tale retelling that gets me every single time. I love a good, strong heroine. Got me there too. Got me with a sweet little romance. All right. So all together for me, this is a 4.5. Like I wish it had dug into more stuff and I don't know if I'll reread it, but I will definitely jump on the sequel and I will definitely recommend it. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I gave this five stars. I loved this book. It's probably my top five favorite reads of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it just came out. Yeah, I'm just, I'm absolutely stoked for book two. I devoured this one. I just loved it. Like, obviously I loved it because I bought a second edition of it. So yeah, I am very stoked for the next book. My enjoyment level was five. So that's what I rated it. I love it. Well, I definitely cannot wait for the sequel. Like, I am super excited because, spoiler, at the end of the book, she flipping goes with the dragon into the sea. And I'm like, dragon, 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 (laughs) dragon, dragon. Yes, yes, yes. And then we stop the book and I'm like, dragon, 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 dragon. Come on, sequel, let's go. I'm not going to lie. When I finished this book, I went, I have to make Mo read this because the next one is going to have so much dragon in it. (laughs) Right? And I knew you would get that. Can't wait. Does it say when it gets published yet? No. This one came out in June or July, I think. So I would imagine 
the next one will come out probably this coming summer in June or July, would be my assumption. Yeah, Six Crimson Cranes, this book, came out on July 6th of this year. So my guess is the second one will probably come out July of this coming year. I could be wrong. It could be longer than that. Gosh, I hope it's not longer than that. (laughs) Don't say that. That is rude that you even have sneeze in that direction. I'm sorry. I should have kept my mouth shut. Yes. Thou shall not curse the story to come out later. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't say it. Excellent. Well, everyone, that is it for us tonight. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. And if you read the book, let us know because it was quite a great book. All right. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.